I got to tell you, that was delightful singing. It just sounded so good. You know, we like the piano, but that was a heavenly sound. Luke chapter 16. Verses 19 to 31. This is where Brother Chris was a few weeks ago. Couldn't get this passage out of my mind with some recent things that happened. If there would be a title to this message, it would be Urgency Too Late. Urgency Too Late. Read with me verses 19 to 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he, that is the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments. Now you might say he doesn't have any eyes, because his body has not yet descended into the pit. But it teaches you that your soul has all of the senses, sight, hearing, speaking, feeling. And so he lifts up his eyes being in torments. He seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. The Greek word is chasma, means a giant impassable chasm. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence then he said I pray thee therefore father that thou wouldest send him to my father's house send him to my family for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's ask God's help. Father, please help us in this few minutes. Oh God, I pray that from our witness and Father in our thoughts and in our minds, the gospel message would always be an urgent message. And Father, it is one not to be 
believed tomorrow, but today. And Father, we know that you are not to be trifled with. Father, you command all men every, everywhere to repent. But help us most of here tonight, saints of God, help us, Father, in the manner in which we think about and communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to our beloved lost sinners, to our family, to our friends, and just to the stranger maybe on the street. Father, help us to know the reality of the urgency of that message, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. From this rich man, I would like you to consider the urgent cries of a soul to God that were too late. To saints of God tonight, most of which that's what we are, there should be a sense of urgency within each of you, within me, a sense of urgency within each of us to be faithful witnesses of the gospel of Christ. It should always be in the forefront of our minds when we look across into the eyes of a never-dying soul to warn sinners that the wrath is coming, to flee from the wrath to come, to know that the time is short. I was reminded twice in the past week that the time is short. It should grieve our hearts when our friends and loved ones fail to see their urgent need for Christ. And I pray that we could help them to understand it. If you're lost, I sincerely pray that you do not find yourself like the rich man, awakened to the urgency of your need for Christ when it was too late. The gospel of Christ is not a message to mull over. It's not like Agrippa who told Paul, I will hear you another day on this matter. It's not a message to be trifled with, beloved. It's not to consider for another time. The gospel is not for another time. It's an urgent command of our king. Acts 17, 29, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now listen, we have to find the delicate balance of love for Christ and love for that sinner to be able to communicate the commands of Christ with compassion and to tell others about Christ. Sometimes I wonder about my witness. Is it effective, Lord? Does the sinner listening to me hear me as one who believes what, I, what he is saying? I pray that that's always the case. It's an urgent command. Why? You know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. A little puff of smoke. That's how James writes this. It appears for a little time, like the winter time, when you breathe out and you see that little fog come go out and then it disappears. That's what your life is like in respect of eternity. What is 70 years in the midst of 10,000? One of the old writers said, if the rocks could actually see humans, we would look like flashes of light. We would flash and we would be gone. For the rocks are here as long as the earth is. We ought to say, and James says this, you 
ought to say, if the Lord will. And I never really noticed the emphasis here of the first thing. He said, ye ought to say, if the Lord will, the next three words are, we shall live. If the Lord will. It was always if the Lord will, we're going to go this place or that place. But the first thing he says is if the Lord will, we shall live. We live every day of our lives at the will of God. And none of us will go any further than God has appointed for us. None of us know when we shall reach our shoreline. When our Lord will declare unto us, Hitherto shalt thou come and no further. But we have a time coming. I don't know where my shoreline is. We need to be able to express these things to those that we love who are lost. Again, the Lord led me to this passage because of the events of recent days regarding, regarding the souls of two earthly lives that came to an end. The souls of earthly lives that came to an end with an uncertain eternity, having not believed in Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls. Now any urgency, now any concern that they have will do them no good. And that's why I wanted to go to this passage. Listen, what a terrible thing to be finally awakened in your mind to the importance and urgency of your salvation when the urgency no longer matters. When there will be no answer. Where there will be no assuaging of your grief. But the urgency of those in hell, beloved, it only aggravates their torment and their misery. Psalm 88 Look at Psalm 88, verse 10. This is what the psalmist writes, 88 and verse 10. The psalmist writes, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Selah? Well, we know they won't. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? We all know the answers to those questions. Now turn to Ecclesiastes 9, one verse there in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. The wise man here writes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And I will tell you as a Christian, I pray that your hand hath found to do Christ, to live Christ, to speak Christ, to learn Christ, that he is your all in all, and that you would live Christ with all your might. He goes on to say there is no work for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. When we come to the grave, there's no more work to be done. Now we are to work on our own salvation with fear and trembling. But once we're in the grave, the work is done. 
There is nothing further to be done. There's nothing. Whatever's left undone, is it stops. It's undone. Nothing more can be put to it. There's no more knowledge to get. There's no more wisdom to gain in the grave, whether we all go. And with that in mind, a few observations from the rich man back to Luke chapter 16. To whom did the rich man first cry out? To Father Abraham. This tells us something about this rich man, that he was probably a Jew. He probably boasted in being a descendant of Abraham after the flesh, but one who clearly didn't care one bit about emulating Abraham's faith in Christ while he was still alive. The fact that he was perhaps one of Abraham's seed made his torment and misery in hell all the worse. Because the truth of the gospel and faith in Christ, if he was a Jew, was well within his reach. While he was yet alive in the world, he had every advantage. Note also, Abraham called him son. Now when a father speaks to his son and says, son, it's a term of endearment. But here it is not. It's a sharp rebuke for one who should have known. He knew who Abraham was, but now he could not come near him. He had his opportunities, but he was too busy faring sumptuously in the world. He could, got, he could not come near Abraham, but now only saw him how? Afar off. He would do anything to go back and return to his life, but now that will never be. Just the thought of this ought to put an urgency in our witness. It's sobering and surreal when you have known someone closely and they've heard the gospel and they're no longer with us. It's very sobering. It's sad. It's a grief and it should be a grief. So the first thing, he cried out to Father Abraham. The second thing we see is mercy was denied. While he lived in the world, he showed no mercy, no compassion, no pity, no sympathy to those who were in need whom he could have helped. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. He was experiencing that. Here was a man who was within reach of Lazarus. Lazarus was at his gate. Lazarus, it says, would have been satisfied with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But the unbelieving rich man despised believing Lazarus and paid him no mind. Oh, beloved, let us be so careful of stopping our ears to the cries of the poor, or for that matter, any human that stands before us. And may we know that we have the urgent message that they need, whether they know it or not. 
Now for this rich man, the proverbial tables are turned. Ironically, now the rich man called for Lazarus to comfort him in his torments when the rich man offered Lazarus nothing. Send Lazarus was his first cry. Send the one whom I denied mercy when I could have shown mercy. I thought about this. James 2.13 is right where we kind of ended last time. For he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment, rejoiceth over judgment. Children of God, there ought to be no such thing as an unmerciful and uncaring Christian, one who is not compassionate. Listen, this is something that needs to be cultivated in us. Many of us still have the remnants of prejudices taught us coming up that we think about people. Beloved, I don't want us to have that prejudice. I want us to have the love of Christ. I want to be able to look at someone with the eyes of Christ. I pray that we could all look upon every human that we encounter with love. With love for their souls. Love for their never dying souls. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. There was such urgency in the rich man's cry. But his cries of urgency in his misery were too late. Isaiah 55 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There is a nearness to God. And I don't know if you realize this, but when you're near someone that you can tell about Christ, they are near to God through you. They're near to the gospel. And beloved, let us be motivated, as Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. Let us love sinners the way he did. Beloved, may each of us every day in our Christian lives understand the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are within our reach. Listen to the rich man's urgency now for both his family and friends. Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. That's a cry that will be heard in this life. Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. But here it was not heard, or it was not heard effectually. Verse 27, I pray thee, which means I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to warn my family. See the urgency? Nay, Father Abraham, verse 30, he repulses him. He cries out again and he says, Father Abraham, but if you will send one from the dead, they will Repent. And you'd see his urgency. Listen, for those who come to Christ with urgency now, while they are still in this life, there is mercy and grace to be had. There is salvation and the hope of eternal life promised to those that believe. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That's Isaiah 55 7. Let him turn unto the Lord. 
and he will have mercy upon him. He will. But not here. No longer for the rich man. David says, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to the multitude of my transgressions, blot them out, Lord, he says in Psalm 51. And so David cries out to his Father and to his God, and his sins are forgiven. If we confess our sins, David did. He acknowledged his transgressions. His sins were ever before him, and God had put away his sin. But there is no putting away of sin in hell. To delay and to despise the gospel of Christ in this life and to die in your sins like the rich man is to wake up in a hell of misery that will never cease with tormenting cries of urgency that will never be answered. Next, Abraham reminded the rich man to remember. And the worst thing about it is was that this man's sins were still remembered. For those of us who are in Christ, our sins, children of God, are no more remembered in the mind of God. Our Father has told us, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more, as only our God can do so. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. <laughs> what a blessing. Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8 and verse 10, if you just want to listen. Hebrews 8 and verse 10, this is from Jeremiah 31. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother. That's because God will reveal himself to his people in the new covenant covenant saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The same is written in Hebrews 10. I wanted to come here because I wanted you to see the importance, the urgency of telling those whom we love to acknowledge their sins before God now. To flee from the wrath of God today. To confess their sins before the Lord now. To repent of their sins against God today while there is still time. While there is still space to repent. For the rich man that time was no more. And now he is, he is reminded of his sins which have followed it into hell by Father Abraham. Son, remember in thy lifetime. Remember your sins. Remember your impenitence. Remember that you were unmerciful. Remember that there was never any concern or urgency in your soul to forsake your sins and to come to Christ. 
but now there is, and it is too late. Beloved, the gospel message to sinners is an urgent message. We must tell them now that the way to Christ is still open. Just like the ark, the door is still open for any sinner who will come, but no longer for this rich man. We must tell sinners that they can still go through the straight gate which leads to eternal life, but once they step into eternity, that gate will be closed forever. It is an imperative to flee to Christ now. If someone tells us, yes, I will talk to you about that tomorrow or later, we need to as kindly but as truthfully as we can tell them, no, that's dangerous. We need to let them know. Listen, I just knew a young man who's no longer here. And it's, it's very sad. For the loss, don't let it be said of you, for so long you could have come, now you cannot come. Abraham tells the rich man, they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from you. There's no passing. There's no way. I can't imagine the sheer terror of lifting up my eyes in hell. I cannot imagine. I don't want to imagine. I don't want to imagine it for any that I know. I don't. David said in 1 Samuel 20 verse 3, he said, Truly as my soul liveth and as the Lord liveth, there is but a step between me and death. He was running from Saul. We know what he means in the context, but you know what, beloved? That's true for every one of you and me today. You're but one step from eternity. Make sure that you don't take that final step into eternity without Christ. Now, I know mostly I'm talking to the saved here, but I really the design of this message was to incite and provoke you as the saints of God of the urgency of our gospel message. It is the most important message. It, they're the most important words, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. They're the most important words that any soul could ever hear. Words of power. Words that Paul said, I am not ashamed of, for in those words the power of God is present. And it's an urgent message. So sadly, of the millions or however many, the Bible says hell enlarges herself daily. They all know now the urgency, but it's too late. It's too late. And so, and listen, I know God doesn't put the destiny of a never dying soul in our hands. But when you're part of that person's life, it hurts. It hurts. And you just want to make sure you did what you could. So that's mainly the emphasis. Beloved, let's do what we let's do what we can. 
with those beloved sinners that we know. Tell them about Christ. Plant the seed. Cultivate the ground. And pray that God will give the increase. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Father, thank you. Lord, I pray that you would help us all. Father, to always have the words of truth and soberness right on our lips and ready. Lord, may we have the tongue of a ready writer. May we bring out of our treasures things new and things old. May we be a ready scribe in the truth of the kingdom of Christ. Oh God, may may it be the gospel that people know about us. May they know that that's what we're going to talk about. May they see the love of Christ, not just a message from a cold-hearted vessel, but Father, may they hear the gospel from one who genuinely loves them. Oh God, help us, albeit to be very small reflections of Christ, but help us to be so. Lord, be with be with my dear brothers and sisters here. I pray for their families, Lord. I pray that you'd be with each one. Oh God, help us, your church, to represent you the way we should. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.